this great chapter of faith. Hebrews chapter 11, we're going to pick up at the story of Moses in uh, verse 23. So we'll be looking at verses 23 through 29 in Hebrews chapter 11. Let me uh, do just a little bit of clarifying for you. Um, I know Pastor Andrew announced that we uh, are going to have a silent auction for many of uh, Winnie's uh, possessions on this uh, Friday. Now you may be wondering, why is the church having an auction? You know, that just doesn't seem like kind of the thing that we do in our ministry and and uh, this is a, a particularly um, specific instance and in why we're doing this. And, and really it's because uh, Winnie left everything that she owned to the church. And so in her, uh, she served Jesus in her life and then in her death she, uh, uh, she gave all of her earthly possessions to the church as well. So um, we have some things that we are taking care of and that's, that's one of them is to um, kind of um, distribute her stuff uh, wherever it needs to go or wherever whoever would like to have it I guess you could say and so uh, the way that we're doing that is through just kind of a celebration of her life and then kind of a silent auction thing so we'll have a lot of her stuff um, just spread out and you'll be able to bid on it and, and then kind of the cool thing about that is whatever money you would spend there uh, you're giving to your church so that's you know a kind of a, a double blessing I think in that as well so that's that's why that's happening that way you're probably like we've never done this before well we haven't but uh, th- this is kind of the way that we've tried to figure out how to do it um, in a way that would honor the Lord so that's what that's all about Hebrews chapter 11 beginning in verse 23 here we go by faith Moses when he was born was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that the child was beautiful And they were not afraid of the king's edict. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. By faith... He kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. By faith, the people crossed the Red Sea as if on dry land, but the Egyptians, when they attempted to do the same, were drowned. Father, we ask your help today. Uh, Lord, we pray that we might meet you this morning in your word, that we might hear your truth, and that just like Noah and Abel and Enoch, and Abraham, and Isaac, and Jacob, and Joseph, and now Moses. God, that we might we might believe your word, that we might respond to it with our life, with our following, our actions, in faith. Father, help us. Jesus, we need you. We ask it in your name. Amen. I am uh, through with two of the four weeks that we have designated to do the God Story Project. So uh, that's been on Wednesday nights at Fifth Street. It's been a great blessing, one of the funnest things that I've got to do uh, in a while. I've really enjoyed it, and we, we made it through the entire Old Testament this last week. And so we're going to be doing the New Testament uh, this coming Wednesday. And uh, one, of the, one of the neat things about that is that I feel really good uh, about what we're doing in the sense of we, we are hopefully enabling people to accomplish something in their life. And, and that, 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 by, by, what, by, by what I mean by that is 
when we're done with the study, we want you to be able to do something, okay? You know, sometimes uh, that's not the way Bible studies are. You know, sometimes we want you to believe something, know something, you know, but, but this is actually geared so that when we're done, you can do something that maybe you couldn't do before, and, and that something is tell God's story, okay? So tell the story of redemption, you know? What is God's story? What, what's the story of the Bible? And just to be able to tell that. And so that's kind of the, the, the project aim for those four weeks, those four Wednesdays uh, through the God's Story Project. And the reason I, I like that a lot is because we see the writers of Scripture doing the same thing. You know, there's, a, there's one of the psalms in which basically the, the, the writer of the, of the psalm basically just goes through and tells the story of redemption or part of the story of redemption. You know, and, and in Acts chapter 7, when Stephen is before the Sanhedrin, you know, he, he gets a chance to speak. What does he do? He goes back and he, he tells the story. He tells God's story. And, and here in Hebrews 11, really, that's what this guy's doing. That, that's what the writer of Hebrews is doing, is he's going back and he's telling God's story. He's telling the story of redemption, and, and he's telling it in such a way where he's saying, look, all of God's story is really about faith. All of God's story is connected to, to, to believing God, okay? And so that, that's why, you know, if, if those of you who are, are in that, that class, you know, creation, fall, flood, promises, exodus, okay, that whole, whole thing. Well, if you'll notice, Hebrews 11 kind of goes by that very same, you know, stream of, of chapters. Uh, Hebrews 11:3. by faith we understand that the universe was created by the Word of God, okay? So you begin with creation. And the writer of Hebrews says, by faith we understand understand that God spoke everything into existence that is, you know, and then in, in, in our chapters, we go, we go creation fall, okay, well, it's kind of hard to have fall, the fall in, in the faith chapter, okay, because the fall is actually the absence of faith, okay, it's Adam and Eve, for the very first time, humanity not believing God, not trusting God, and so you've got, man, falling into, into sin and into the separation with God, but then right away, you, you've got Abel, you know, in verse 4, you've got Abel, you know, offering to God. God, a better sacrifice by faith, but then you've got sin permeating humanity, and you've got Cain being jealous of Abel and killing Abel, and, and then, then sin spreading. And in chapter 5, the God Story Project, what we call chapter 5 is the chapter of the old dead guys, okay? Because that, that's pretty much it. It's all old dead guys, and, and except for one guy. One guy in there, he's still old, but he doesn't die, okay? And his name is Enoch. And if you'll notice, he's in, uh, what is that, verse 5. He's in verse 5. By Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, and he was not found because God had taken him. Now, now before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. Enoch doesn't die because he pleased God. How did he please God? Verse 6, by faith. Okay, so so Enoch comes in the story there, all right, and then you got sin permeating the entire earth again, and the wickedness of man growing, and so so in verse seven you've got Noah, okay, you've got the flood, you've got God's judgment upon the world, and Him saving one man, and how does Noah get saved? He gets saved by faith. He hears the word of God. He believes the word of God. He takes up his hammer and he and begins to build the ark. Okay, So you've got Noah being saved by faith and you've got Noah and his family beginning to repopulate the earth and you've got God appearing to Abraham in Genesis chapter 12 and making him the promises. You're going to have land. You're going to have a son. You're going to have descendants. And then the gospel promise through you all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Okay, And it says how did Abraham live that out? He lived that out by faith. By faith Abraham left his country and he, and he sacrificed Isaac and everything that Abraham did in, in his life was by faith. And then you go in verses uh, 20 and 21 and 22 of Hebrews chapter 11 and you've got Isaac and you've got Jacob and, and then finally you've got Joseph, you know, and so they end up in Egypt, all right? And, and, and all those guys acted in faith and now they're in Egypt and God has promised to deliver them out of Egypt, which brings us to verse 23 
you got Moses, you've got the Exodus, okay? Now, Moses is an interesting guy in the scriptures because most of the time when we think of Moses, we think of the law, right? I mean, probably one of the most famous things Moses does is the Ten Commandments. In fact, many times in the scripture when it's referring to the law, you, you, you have this reference to Moses. Sometimes the word Moses and the word law are almost synonymous, okay? So you think of commands, you think of law. But interestingly enough, in Hebrews chapter 11, it shows that everything that Moses did, his whole entire life was a life of faith. Okay, are you beginning to get the picture here in Hebrews 11? Okay, you've got God's story of redemption. Okay, just like we're telling it on Wednesday nights, the writer of Hebrews is telling it, but he's telling it with the emphasis that nobody ever does anything for God, nobody ever plugs into the mission of God, nobody's ever significant in the mission of God except by faith. Okay, to be a part of the mission of God, to please God, to obey God, to be blessed by God, you must live and act and respond. In faith, it is all about faith. Moses' story is a great epic story in the, in the scriptures. You've got, uh, you've got 120 years of Moses' life, and it's neatly divided into three different chapters. Okay? You've got 40 years when he grows up in Egypt, and you've got 40 years in the land of Midian as a shepherd, and then you've got 40 years in, in Moses delivering God's people out of Egypt and, and, and going toward the promised land. You know? So you know, Moses was a late bloomer. Okay? Some of you are late bloomers in the faith, right? You didn't come to faith until later in life. Hey, don't worry. You're in good company, all right? Moses really didn't get clicking until he was 80, all right? He really didn't get uh, get really effective in the Lord until he was 80 years old. Those last 40 years of his life were, were, were a great um, finishing point for Moses, okay? Now, literally when I say that everything Moses did in his, his journey of faith and his accomplishments for God, it was all by faith, I really mean that because Verse 23 starts out when he's in the womb, okay? I mean, I mean, literally from, from conception and in the womb all the way through his death, everything that Moses did, his whole life journey was a life of faith. So notice verse 23. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden. Isn't that great? I mean, it, it doesn't mention it. It's talking about his parents, but, but it's, it's talking about him. Say, look, his whole life was a life of faith, all right? So by faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw the child was beautiful and they were not afraid of the king's edict okay what a blessing to have believing parents what a blessing to be believing parents what a blessing to your children to live and act in faith i want you to notice here that moses is a direct recipient of his parents faith okay now, I can't make my kids believe. I can't, I can't bring them to Jesus by my own brute strength. But I can live in such a way that they are blessed by my faith. That they're the recipients of, 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 of my faith. So that, that my faith brings a blessing upon their life. So, Moses has parents that trust God. Well, how did that trust manifest itself? Well, they live in a pretty bad time, okay? Uh, the Pharaoh and, and the rest of Egypt have gotten really nervous about God's people growing so much in number. You know, whenever the slaves begin to outnumber uh, the, uh, the masters, things get a little dicey, they get a little nervous, okay? And so, in Exodus chapter 1, uh, the Pharaoh tells the midwives, hey, if it's a boy, if it's a, if it's a Jewish boy that's born, I want you to kill him. 
Okay, you kill him before he ever his mom ever sees him. Well, the midwives they, they they don't obey Pharaoh's order, and so so he goes to the people and he commands everybody in Exodus chapter one verse twenty two. Then Pharaoh commanded all his people, every son that is born to the Hebrews, you shall cast into the Nile, but you shall let every daughter live. All right. So Moses happens to be born at a very critical time in Israel's history when all the baby boys are being slaughtered. They're, they're, they're all being killed. The Egyptians, any, any, any baby boy the Egyptians can get their hands on, they're, they're going to kill, they're going to throw into the Nile. And so, in verse 23 it says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents, okay? Because they saw the child was beautiful. Now, that's kind of an interesting phrase. They, they did what they did because they saw the kid was beautiful. You show me a mom that doesn't think their kid's beautiful, right? And so that's a little bit confusing. Like, right, what's, the, what's the significance of that? Because everybody thinks a baby's beautiful. You know, I, I was looking at a baby yesterday at the funeral that I did. And, and uh, one of the things I really miss about having, having babies in our house is their hands. Have you ever noticed how cool their hands are? They're just like fat, chubby things, you know. They're just a big, you know, and, and they don't even have knuckles. They have little, little indentions. That's all they've got, you know, because it's just a big fat club is all it is, you know. And, and I was like, man, I, I really miss that. Kids, kids are, I mean, babies are beautiful, okay. So, so is he just saying, they, they looked at their baby like, oh, he's so cute. Let's save him, you know, let's not pitch him. If he was ugly, we'd pitch him. But no, he's pretty cute, you know. I mean, that's not what they were saying. If we go into Acts chapter 7, when Stephen... Give him a little promotion for the God Story Project. When Stephen is telling God's story, okay, notice what he says. He says in Acts 7.20, At this time Moses was born, and he was beautiful in God's sight. All right, now that's a little different, isn't it? He was beautiful. Now, again, you can make the case every baby is beautiful. You know, uh, but, but what I'm telling you here is I think we are pretty on pretty solid ground to say what, what, what the writer is communicating to us is they knew God had a plan for their boy, okay? They knew that Moses was going to be influential in the deliverance of the people of God out of Egypt. They knew they were going to be delivered. How they know that? Because of the promises of God. If you look at the end of Genesis, God, God promises Jacob and Joseph, I'm going to bring your people out. You're in Egypt now, but I'm going to bring you out. And so they're waiting for that deliverer. And so when Moses' parents see their boy, they, they know, I believe, by divine intervention that their boy is, is, to be, is to be used greatly in the kingdom of God, which is why they were willing to hide him for three months, but you can't hide him forever, you know. They get noisy. They start to get mobile. You can't hide him forever. And so at some point, they, they, they follow the leadership of God, and they get a basket, and they cover it with pitch, and so it's waterproof, and they put Moses in that basket and they push him out into one of the biggest rivers in the world okay that's faith guys that's faith not only they push him out one of the biggest rivers in the world but they push him out right in front of pharaoh's river house where his his daughters and and princesses happen to be out bathing you know these are the people that are going to kill every hebrew boy and so they push him out there trusting god okay they, 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 they trust God, and indeed, God blesses that, and, and the, the princess sees him and, and scoops him up, and God you know, works in her heart so that she can't live without him. You know? can, can you imagine that conversation between her and her dad? You know? What's well, a Hebrew? Kill him. Dad, I can't. Kill. You know, Just bawling and bawling forever until finally he's like, okay, okay, okay. He's an Egyptian. Bring him in, and he can be your son. You know? so, so he's raised up in the palace. Okay? And then, then my favorite part of that story is, 
is that, of course, she, she needs someone to nurse him. You know, you didn't go down to Walmart and buy formula in that day. You, you, if you had a baby, you had to have a mom to nurse him. And so, so she, you know, she looks around and she sees Miriam over Moses' sister. She doesn't know that. She's Miriam over in, over in the reed and she's like, hey, you know, go get me a Hebrew woman who can nurse this baby for me. Miriam's like, I got just the gal, you know. And it's Moses' mother, you know. So Moses' mother gets paid, you know, to, to raise up Moses, all right. Just providence of God, wonderful story. And so Moses raised up in the palace. Now, we're safe to assume that Moses' parents were the source of the word of God for Moses. Okay, so, so Moses raises up knowing who he is, knowing the promises of God, knowing the truth of God. How does he know all that? Because he's got a mom who every chance she can get, every time the princess leaves the room, what's she doing? Man, she is sowing God's word in her boy, okay? Probably at the risk of her own life. She gives Moses the word of God so that Moses grows up knowing that God has promised to bless Israel. Moses grows up knowing that God's going to give him the promised land, that all the families of the earth are going to be blessed through his people. Moses grows up knowing that because his father and his mother, probably just his mother, spoke God's truth into his life. Parents, listen up. Your kids cannot have faith unless they hear the word of God. Now, I know they don't have to hear it from you, okay? But, but, but here's my question. Why wouldn't they hear it from you? Man, if you want to bless your kids, then give them the Word of God. Romans 10, 17. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of Christ. You can't make them believe. I wish we could, but we can't. We can't make them believe, but what we can do is give them the foundation of belief, which is the Word of God. Remember how faith goes? Faith hears the Word of God, believes the Word of God, acts upon the Word of God. Okay. So if you never hear the Word of God, you're not going to believe it or act upon it. And so you have a great opportunity as a parent to sow the seeds of truth of the Word of God into your children, your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren. Man, be a person of faith, okay? So, what does it say about these folks? Let's go back to our text. It says, By faith Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they, were, uh, they saw that the child was beautiful. And then notice this part. And they were not afraid of the king's edict, okay? And so I think the first point we, we need to make here is that faith overcomes fear, okay? Faith overcomes fear. Faith brings about a boldness in us to keep us doing what God wants us to do, even when it's threatening, even when it's risky, even when it's dangerous, okay? They were not afraid of the king's edict. Now, I don't believe that that means they had no internal distress, okay? Uh, I don't think that's what that means. When it says that, 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 that they weren't afraid of the king's edict, I don't think that means that, you know, they, they, they got Moses out in the stroller and strolled him by the palace every morning. You know, we got a baby boy. You know, we're not afraid of you. I, I mean, I, I don't think that's what that means. You know, I don't think it's like, you know, let him cry. It's all right. We're not afraid. You know, no, I don't think that's what it means at all. They hit him. Okay, And when they couldn't hide him anymore, they, they put him in a basket and, and, and trusted the providence of God and pushed him out in the river. I mean, obviously there was some internal distress going on inside of them. Obviously, they were greatly bothered by the risk they were taking. Okay, So what I'm telling you here this morning is, faith doesn't mean that you're not scared. There's times where we are scared. Man, we're scared to step out in faith. We're scared to follow God. We're scared to speak the truth. We're scared to take that step. We're scared to risk. I mean, there's times where legitimately we're scared. And I don't know, I don't know that God ever takes that away. But here's what faith does. Faith enables you to act even when you're scared. Faith enables you to do the right thing, to take the risk, to follow God, even when, when the external pressures are, are, are threatening you. 
And, and so Jochebed and Amram, that, that's his mom and dad, by the way, they didn't bail out of obedience to God because there were threats of a tyrant on their life. Okay? Now, the same is true with Moses. So let's jump down, because we, we have another fear verse here in verse 27, so let's just do them both at the same time. Verse 27 says, By faith he, Moses, left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. Now, if, if you know the story behind that, when Moses is 40 years old, he's like, he, he knows who he is, he knows what his mission is, and he's like, I'm the deliverer of God's people, and so he's out, you know, in, in, the, in, the, in the kind of the workplace, okay, where, where the Hebrew slaves are building the cities for the Egyptians. Egyptians, and he sees this Egyptian taskmaster who's just brutally beating this Hebrew. Man, he gets all fired up inside. You know what we're talking about, right? And he goes over and he kills the guy. He kills the Egyptian defending the Hebrew. Okay, and he thinks he's gotten away with it, but pretty soon he finds out everybody knows about it. And the king is very angry with him. And so what does he do? He flees Egypt. Okay, now... Let's try to reconcile that. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the, king, of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who was invisible. Well, why did he flee if he's not afraid? Okay, Again, being, afraid, being not afraid doesn't mean that he didn't have any internal distress over the deal. Okay, He knew that his life was probably in jeopardy. He knew that this was a bad situation. But what it says when he went out of Egypt, not afraid of the anger of the king meant, is that he continued enduring on the mission that God had given him. Okay, The, the key word in verse 27 is, for he endured. Okay, In other words, because of what was on his life, because of the threat of the king, he didn't bail out of the mission of God. He could have, couldn't he? He could have just said, you know what, I'm done. I tried. Look, I tried. We do that sometimes, don't we? You ever, you ever try to do something for God and it kind of blows up? And then you, you put on your pouty face and you're like, well, there, there we go. I tried, you know. I tried and, and, and everybody shot me down. Or I tried to serve in VBS and, and, you know, the kids were mean. And I tried to do this and I didn't get any recognition. So, you know, I'm just done, okay. Moses didn't do that. He endured, okay. He endured. He continued to go. Fear didn't govern Moses. They trusted God, he obeyed God, he followed God, even when things got threatening. In fact, 40 years later, he's going to walk right back into Egypt, right back into the Pharaoh's, Pharaoh's court, and he's going to say, let my people go. That's what God says. Friends, the world will threaten us in a multitude of ways. I mean, there's just a lot to be scared about. Afraid of being rejected by those around us, afraid of not having enough provision, afraid of persecution, afraid of ridicule, afraid of missing out, afraid of unfulfillment, afraid of losing out. I mean, there's just all kinds of things that we could go on. There's lots of things to be afraid of. But the man or woman of faith, here's the deal, does not make decisions out of fear but they make them out of faith. Now, does that mean that they're not afraid sometimes? No, I think these guys were afraid. But they made their decision not out of fear. In other words, they did not act out of fear. You get, the, 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 just picture it this way. There, there's two catalysts pressing on their life, okay? The one is these threats of the king. It's like, man, if we find your baby in your house and, you, and you, we're, we're going to kill you, we're going to kill all of you. Moses, man, if we find you on this mission, man, you're dead. Okay, so they've got this catalyst of fear on their life. But at the same time, they have this catalyst of faith. And so they're faced with the decision, what... How am I going to make my decision? And Moses' parents and Moses both made their decision on faith, not on fear. They obeyed the word of God. They risk. Moses 
Moses endures. I, I love that word in verse 27. By faith he left Egypt, not being afraid of the anger of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. He endured. Man, I want you just to, in your mind, if you know the story of Moses, just think about all that that word means, okay? He endured, okay? Forty years as a shepherd in Midian. He gets the call to go back to Egypt. Let my people go. He goes back to Egypt, you know? How many times? Ten times he goes back into the Pharaoh. I mean, here'd be my process of thinking if I'm going back. All right, God, I'll go back. I'll go back one time, and I'll go in there, and I'll tell him the message. But, God, if it doesn't work, I am out on this, okay? Because my life's in jeopardy every time I go in there. He goes in once. Let my people go. Pharaoh's like, ha! You know, most like, well, here's God's sign, you know. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people. Again, 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 again. Even the night of the Passover, when every firstborn in Egypt's been slaughtered by the death angel, Moses goes before Pharaoh. He endured. Think about what it means when they came out of Egypt and to the Red Sea. And, and then as soon as they get you know, out and they're free, what happens? The, the Israelites turn on Moses, you know, again and again and again, complaining and murmuring and accusing. What does he do? He endures. He endures all the way to the promised land. Even when they get to the promised land, here's the really discouraging thing about Moses' ministry. Even when they get there, they send the spies out. They come back. They have a bad report. Moses, Joshua, Caleb plead with them to follow Christ, obey Christ, trust Christ, follow God. They won't do it. They turn away. And now they wander in the wilderness for 40 years. But Moses endured, didn't he? All the way to the end. He endured. Notice how. As seeing him who's invisible. That's at the end of verse 27. You know, I think there's a great... Just a great picture there. I drew it in my notes. I didn't know how to tell it to you, so I just drew you a picture. Is that, is that good? I just I got I got God real big, and then I got I got a T and a P, threats and problems, real small. Does that make sense? I think that's what that's saying. How did Moses endure? By seeing him who's invisible. He had his eyes on the glory of God, the majesty of God. The blessing of God. And in Moses' mind, God was bigger. He was bigger. That's faith, isn't it? Isn't that a great? That's kind of a good definition of faith. Faith is bigger than your problem. Faith is bigger than your fear. Faith is bigger than your threat. Faith is is that internal thing where you grab onto the fact that God is bigger than whatever you're scared of, whatever's pressing on you. And and you're willing to, to go forward, even in the midst of difficulty and problem and adversity. So number one, for Moses, faith was bigger than fear. Number two, for Moses, by faith he made some costly choices. Look at verses 24 through 26. By faith, Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing, I like that word, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he was looking to the reward. Moses had this monumental choice to make, okay? I mean, literally. He, I mean, there's a bunch of choices, obviously, but there's, 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 this, there's this big choice in Moses' life, you know? Who, who am I going to be identified with, you know? Am I an Egyptian? Am I an Israelite? 
You know, what do I want in life? Do I, do I want the pleasures of, of Egypt, the riches of Egypt? Or do, or, do I, or do I want to do I want to follow God and see where that takes me? I, I mean, he's just he's got this big choice. And, and Moses life was defined by this this costly choice that he makes. You know, I was thinking about the hundreds of choices you make each day. Most of them are small. But, you know, I think I think. All the small choices kind of culminate in some big ones, don't they? You know, will I get out of bed or hit the snooze? Will I have my quiet time or watch the news? Will I engage in conversation with my family or zone out in front of the tube? Will I work hard today or do as little as possible? Will I overlook that remark or take offense and punish them? Who will I sit by at lunch? What will I do with my afternoon or my evening? Will I put off my chores or will I attack them? How and about what will I speak to my family? What will I spend my money on? Will I save? Will I give? Will I help? What job will I pursue? Will I be thankful or critical? Will I see the best or look for the worst? Will I text an encouraging word? Will I reach out? Will I take a risk? Will I play it safe? And you've already made 50 of those this morning, haven't you? And we just make choices all the time. And so it's an interesting thought to me to think about that by faith, Moses chose this. Actually, there's a whole bunch of choices in there that that led in a certain path of life. And and I think it's true that we, we can make our choices by faith or we can make our choices without faith. You know, without faith, Moses would have not Moses would not have chosen the life of a slave over the life of a palace. You see, that's the scary thing about not making your choices based on your trust in who God is, His character, and what He's promised. See, when that's not a factor, then, I mean, let's just, let's just all think about this. All right, should I be a slave or should I be a prince? <laughs> you know, I mean... That's kind of a no-brainer, isn't it? Prince, it is. I, I mean, that, you don't have to be smart to make that even, you know? I mean, that's an obvious choice. Unless faith is involved. Unless inside of you there's this in, internal struggle going on saying, okay, but wait, who is God? What has God said? What, what, what has God promised? And, I, and I'm going to believe that. And because I believe that, that steers me a radically different direction. Without faith, Moses would not have chosen to turn his back on comfort and luxury and culture and entertainment. Without faith, Moses would not have chosen the path that set him at odds with Pharaoh. And so the thing that scares me about that is, how many of these little small choices that we're making every day? Let's go through them again. Hit hit the snooze or get out of bed. Engage in conversation with my family or zone out in front of the tube. Do hard work or do as little as possible. Overlook that remark or take offense. Who do I sit by at lunch? How do I spend my afternoon, my evening? Chores, attack them, uh, leave them, procrastinate, don't. How about what, what do I speak to my family? I mean, all those choices. Okay, so d- I know those are smaller maybe than what, what it looks like Moses has on his plate. But what I'm saying is, what if we don't, what if we don't involve faith in those? What if, what if we just make them by our flesh? So Moses has two drastically different paths here in front of him. And he chooses the one rather than the other simply because of what he believes about the character and promises of God. And I want you to notice that it is very costly to Moses. Now, now don't, 
Don't miss that, okay? Because I want to save you some disillusionment, okay? I, I think many times we think if I act in faith, there will be this immediate blessing. Sometimes there is, but many times there's not. And in fact, in Moses' life, no, let's look at it again. Verse 25, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. The immediate thing in Moses' life is mistreatment. He makes his choice by faith and he's mistreated. He's mocked. If you remember the story of, of Moses, literally he's mocked, he's ridiculed, he's got hardship, both sides, both the Egyptians and the Hebrews, you know? I mean, he's like the guy that everybody hates for a while. Faith had the immediate result of mistreatment. But Moses chose the wrath of Pharaoh, mistreatment with the people of God, and the reproach of Christ. We should not expect that all of our faith choices will result in immediate good times. So, how do we make those costly choices? Okay, If there's not just this immediate benefit, always, that things get better once we act in faith, so how, how are we going to make how are we going to make those decisions? Well, a couple things here. Number one, Moses was able to make those costly choices because by faith he formed his identity. Okay? By faith he's, he formed his identity. Look at verse 24. By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Let me, let me read you a quote by a great theologian. Her name is Avery Dirks. And uh, we were at soccer and uh, we were watching our, our little haven play soccer. And uh, I said, hey, hey Avery, let, I, I want to read this passage of Scripture to me. And I just want you to tell me what sticks out to you. And so I read the passage of Scripture. And these were her words. I, I, I wrote them down on my phone just so I'd remember them. She says, well, by faith Moses had no identity problems. He knew who he was and what God's purpose for him was. That's what she got out of that passage. That's good stuff. Um... Moses sort of caught between two worlds. Probably more than any of us ever have been. I mean, I, I think many of you have experienced this, but probably not to the degree that Moses did. Okay? So on the one end, his mom's taught him his true heritage is a Hebrew. His, he's a descendant of Abraham. But on the other hand, he's grown up a prince of Egypt. He's grown up in the palace. He's, Acts chapter 7 tells us he's been educated in all the, the ways of the Egyptians. He's gone to the finest Egyptian university. He graduated with the most powerful kids in Egypt. Okay, so that's his circle. Those are his friendships. That's his lifestyle. That's his dress. That's his look. And, and, and so, so he's really, he's got to make a decision about who am I? What you're going to find, my friends, is that a lot of your choices to follow faith or, or not are going to be made by what you think about yourself, okay? about who you think you are. I, I really believe that. Moses makes this crucial move of faith because he says to the world, he embraces in his own soul, I'm not an Egyptian. I'm not the son of a princess. I'm the son of God. I'm the son of Abraham. My people are slaves. Okay? That's exactly what that verse says. It says, choosing rather... No, I'm sorry, verse 24. Refusing to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter. He says, that's not who I am. I'm not the son of Pharaoh's daughter. Don't call me that. Don't see me that way. 
That's not who I am. I wish I could communicate this to you in some way, but I, I can't. You, you ever have something in you that you just can't get out, you know? And then I thought this morning, I was like, I need an illustration. I need something. And I, I just, I'm sorry, I don't got nothing. Maybe by the fourth service, it'll come to me. Uh, but I just know this. Identity is a huge deal in people's lives. I mean, I, I see this so clearly in our children's program and our youth program. And we'll have kids that come in here and, and they'll, they'll hear the Word of God. They'll get excited about the Word of God. I, I think to some degree they'll make face steps toward the Word of God. But I see them get sucked back in the world again and again. And I really believe the problem is they never change their identity. They always think of themselves as, this is who I am. I'm from this family. And this is what we do in our family. We live this way. We act this way. We approach life this way. We talk this way. And man, they can't break that. And I'll see them come and I'll see them like enjoy being here. But then there's also something in them that says, I'm not that. I'm not those people. I tell you what, it, it, it angers me sometimes when I hear adults who've come to faith in Christ and they're like, you know, I just, I don't know, I don't know. I, I love Jesus, but I don't want to be in the church because I'm not like those people. Okay, that is, that is a faithless statement. What do you mean by that? I'm not like them. What do you mean by that? You don't dress, well, do we all dress a certain way? I mean, I, 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 mean, I don't think we do. I mean, do, I, we, do we all drive the same stuff? You know, how I many you got scooters? Scooters, scooters, who's got a scooter? Do, what, what do you mean by that? Are we all the same socioeconomic level? I mean, I'm not sure what that means. But I know at its core, it's an identity problem. Because here's what the Bible says. Man, if you're a believer, oh, you're joined to Jesus Christ. You're filled with the Spirit of God. You're adopted as sons. You're forgiven of your sins. Every one of us, every one of us are in the exact same boat. That's why we have fellowship together. But you see, I, I really believe that's you got to embrace that by faith. I think that's why Paul spends so much time in all of his letters saying, you're this, you're this, you're this, you're a saint, you're chosen, you're predestined, you're adopted. I mean, just over and over and over, all these identity statements. Because I think what Moses does here is incredibly powerful. It directs the choices of his life. Because he makes this pivotal move where he says, I'm not, the, I'm not the son of the princess. I'm a son of Abraham. I'm telling you, it's a beautiful thing to make that identity move. And it frees you up. I, I can almost remember to the day when, when I just embraced my new identity in Christ. I'll tell you what happened. I was not afraid of my friends anymore. When I first came to Christ, I was afraid of my friends. I was afraid to have to explain why I didn't do any of the stuff I used to do and why I was different and why I was going to church. I mean, I just, I dreaded that. But there was a point in there where I just embraced, man, this is who I am. I'm not, I'm not you anymore. <laughs> I'm this. And man, I want you to be this, okay? Identity. If you want to know more, talk to Avery. All right, number two. So, why? why? Well, number one, identity. Number two. Moses was able to make those costly choices 
because he considered. Okay, now, I know that's kind of a, where's the rest of the sentence? But that is the sentence, okay? Notice, here's what I mean, verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, okay? So there's this process that's going on in, in Abraham, or not in Abraham, in Moses, that I would consider like an, an accounting, an internal accounting system, okay? Uh, we see Paul doing this in Philippians. Philippians chapter 3, verse 8 and 9. Here's what Paul says, Indeed, I count some things, uh, I count everything as lost because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For His sake I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ, be found in Him, not having righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. In, in, in Philippians chapter 3, Paul lists all these things that used to define him, all these things that he used to value, all these things, you know, I'm a Hebrew, I'm a Pharisee, I'm, I'm this, I'm the law, blah, you know, and then he says, all that stuff's trash. And now I've done a reaccounting in my life, and my treasure is Christ, okay? That comes from that act of considering. If you turn to Romans 6, the English word consider, it's actually a different Greek word, but the English word consider plays a huge role in Romans 6 because Romans 6 says, here's, what, here's, the, here's the reality about Christians. Christians have died with Christ. We've been raised with Christ. We're dead to sin. And so over and over in Romans 6, it's going to tell you, consider yourself dead to sin and alive to Christ. What, what's it tell us to do? Do this internal accounting that says, all right, I'm dead to sin because of what Jesus has done. I'm, I'm no longer has power over me. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not associated with it. I'm alive to Christ. It's this internal accounting that causes you to value one thing and despise another. And folks, that's at the heart of, of day-to-day Christian living is this considering. It's, it's considering what is really valuable in my life. What is really worthwhile in my life? What is really worth living? I mean, faith transforms our values. Notice verse 26. He considered the reproach of Christ greater wealth than the treasures of Egypt, for he's looking for the reward. All right, so what, what does he do? Okay, what he does is he lifts up two things. Riches of Egypt, okay? I can live the rest of my life as a playboy in Egypt. Right, I can have all these, these pleasures, women, uh, uh, best of drink, best of food, best of riches, best of travel. I've got all this. Or I've got the reproach of, of being with Christ's people as slaves. And Moses does this internal accounting and he says, this is better than that. You only get that by faith. You can't do that any other way. Okay, Only by faith can you say, hey, that's better. And you see, what, what Moses was able to do, because he's looking for the reward, he wants the best thing, okay? Mo- Moses is, is hungry for something great. That, that's, that's one of the defining characteristics of a person of faith. They want more. Man, they're not, they're not, they don't want to settle for the cheap junk of life. They want something more. And Moses wants something more. And Moses is convinced of this thing. He's convinced by faith that, that, that what Egypt has to offer him is fleeting. Notice one of my favorite phrases in this passage, verse 25. Choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. Now, now here's, here's the reality of that phrase. There is a measure of pleasure in sin. Okay? We, shouldn't, we shouldn't deny that. That's true. Okay? Sin sometimes is fun. True. There, there's a measure of relief that comes from telling the lie that keeps your deeds from being exposed. Okay? 
when you tell the lie and you get out of trouble and, and, and you don't have all the consequences, there's, there's a measure of, of okayness there, okay? There's a measure of pleasure and immorality and impurity and fornication and adultery. There's a measure of excitement in those things. There's a measure of pleasure and pride and self-exaltation and making much of yourself. There's a measure of enjoyment in, in taking what's not yours to take and a measure of satisfaction and revenge. But here's what faith does. Faith believes God on this and says all of that is fleeting. Sin has no lasting, consistent, enduring benefit in my life. And it always has a diminishing return. In other words, it doesn't get better with time. It gets worse. Righteousness, on the other hand, always has a progressive blessing. Galatians chapter 6, verse 7 and 8. Don't be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever one sows, that he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Okay? The seeds that you plant that are in the flesh, you're going to reap corruption. It's going to go from better to worse. The seeds that you plant in the Spirit, you may have to wait for the harvest. The harvest may not be immediate, but you're going to have a harvest of righteousness. Moses believed that by faith. Listen to P.G. Matthews. I, I like this quote. This is great. He goes through kind of the whole Old Testament and just picks out people who, who chose the other way than Moses. Okay? So listen. Moses chose Christ and his people, his eternal life, and his treasure in heaven. In contrast, Esau chose a cup of soup. Achan chose a little silver and gold. Lot's wife chose Sodom and its nightlife. Judas chose 30 pieces of silver. Demas chose the fame, power, and wealth of this world. The rich young ruler chose his great wealth. The Gadarenes chose their pigs. All of those chose the things of the world rather than Christ and his salvation. And if you know anything about any of those stories, they all ended in disaster. So Moses chose by faith. Moses was convinced by faith that ultimately he would be blessed by identifying with God's people and serving and loving God's people than he would to enjoy what the world had to offer. All right, we're out of time. So last verse, verse 28. We've got, we got to get to this one, to the gospel. Okay, Look at verse 28. By faith he kept the Passover and sprinkled the blood so that the destroyer of the firstborn might not touch them. Okay? The story behind that little verse there is uh, the last plague. Okay, He's in Egypt. Let my people go. Let my people go. Let my people go. Finally, the tenth plague comes. He says, all right, this is just your last chance. Let my people go. Pharaoh says, no. The plague comes. And the plague is this. Every firstborn is going to die. Every firstborn is going to die. Because of the wrath and judgment of God upon sin, every firstborn is going to die, except for those who will hear my word, who will believe my word, and who will... Act upon my word. And what was the word of God? The word of God was you're to offer a sacrificial lamb, the best of your flock. You're to slaughter it unto the Lord that night and you're to take the blood and you're to put it over your doorpost and then you're to get in your house and stay there. And everybody who did that, everybody who put their faith in God's sacrificial lamb was saved by the wrath of God that night. And my friends, all of that points forward to our sacrificial lamb, Jesus. And everybody who will put faith in what God has provided in Jesus Christ and will trust the blood of Jesus over our lives will be saved from the wrath of God. From start to finish, Moses lived a life of faith. Father, help us. God, help us to be like Moses. God, I, I pray for those here today that are 
are caught up in fear. God, that they're, um, they're certain about what you want for their life. God, they've heard your word, um, but God, they're afraid. They're, they're afraid of, of, of the consequences of following you. And God, I pray that they would see they would see your glory, that they would follow the one who's invisible, Lord. And Father, I pray for those who, who have identity problems this morning. God, I pray for those who, who see themselves not as the people of God and not as the, a child of God, not as, as adopted into your family, but they see themselves associated with the world or with their old life or their family or their mistakes or their sins. God, give them a new identity by faith. Lord, I pray, God, that we might begin to choose, Lord, every decision, small and big. God, help us to choose according to to faith. Father, we trust you. Lord, you didn't let Noah down. You didn't let Abraham down. You didn't let Moses down. God, we, we know you won't let us down. So help us to trust you. In Jesus' name.